Chimpy. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. We have been talking for some weeks, and we will continue to talk between now and Election Day about well, a number of issues and candidates, but in particular, we are going to focus on the ballot questions. There are four of them in Massachusetts on the ballot on November 8th, or obviously on the ballot earlier, if you should vote earlier or by mail. Uh, one question, question four, driver's licenses for persons who don't have immigration documents, which I enthusiastically support retaining that bill and that piece of legislation, the Work and Family Mobility Act. There is question one, which we have talked about, which is the Fair Share Amendment. Will individuals who have income, adjusted gross, gross income after deductions of over $1 million in a year to pay a little more in taxes? Then we have uh, question three, which we have not spoken about, which we will, having to do with the number of licenses for, uh, Monty, can you, Help us on I that. believe it's um, <clears throat> liquor licenses, beer, wine, liquor licenses for stores, okay. which I don't understand very well, and I'm eager to hear more about. We will hear more about it. Today, we are going to look at question two. Question two has the snooziest title of a bill that you've ever heard, but it's really important. It is a piece of legislation, a question for the voters about medical loss ratios for dental insurance plans. Don't snooze off. It's, you know, okay. Oh, sorry about that. It really matters. It's how much it costs and what services do you get uh, for your dental insurance plan, which many people have through their employ employers or otherwise, and will you have the coverage you need for the dental work that you require when the time comes? With us today to discuss this is Dr. Martin Marty Wall. Marty is the founder of Wall Family Dentistry in Northampton. He is the immediate past president, uh, as of July 2022, of the Valley District Dental Society. He's an adjunct clinical instructor at uh, Springfield Technical Community College in the Dental Hygiene Department. He's also a cult consultant that stick to the Health Sciences Department. He's lived in Northampton for over 40 years. Marty Wall, thank you so much for being with us today. I want to understand question two. What is it? And then we'll get to why is it and the pros and cons. Question two, please tell us what it is. Thanks for having me, Bill. Good to see you, Bunty. Um, so, you know, in the little red book that the Secretary of State sends out, there's, there's this straight description. And I could just give that to you really quickly. So it's the medical loss ratios for dental insurance plans. A yes vote supports the ballot initiative to establish a medical loss ratio for dental insurance plans at 83% and require the insurer to re refund the excess premium to its covered individuals and covered groups. No, no, stop there. Stop there for one second. The Secretary of State wants to put me to sleep. Um, I, I, okay. I, it, it has to do with loss ratios. It has to do with what? What's, okay. what's so, the purpose of this thing? <laughs> the idea is, is that people pay premiums into insurance companies, and the insurance companies need to be able to pay a, a, a certain amount, a percentage of what they bring in for benefits for people to get their dental care. So in medical, in medical world, uh, in Massachusetts, that loss ratio is 88%. That means that the premiums that come in for medical insurance, 88% of that goes to care in your doctor's office, hospital, urgent care centers. In dentistry, there is no such thing. So we, in fact, in, in, in the context is that the insurance companies don't even want to show what their medical loss ratio is because our understanding is it's closer to more like 60%. So they take off the top and do not give the benefits that the premiums are supposed to be paying for. Okay. So insurance is a way of sharing risk. We all get together in a big pool. We all put our money into that pool with the hope we won't need it. But when we need it, it's all it's there for us to pay for the medical treatment that we need. And what I understand you're telling us, Dr. Wall, is that in the world of medicine, excluding dentistry for a minute, but in the world of medicine, for every hundred dollars that we pay or our employers pay as medical insurance, 
88% of that amount has to be spent by the insurance company to provide medical care. Is that right? That's right. In Massachusetts, it's 88%. Okay. Around the country, it's in the low 80s. Okay. So 88% in Massachusetts, every $100 that the insurance company receives in, it has to pay $88 out in, in medical benefits. services and benefits. Got it. Okay. But as I understand what you just told us, for dentistry, there's no such requirement. Right. There's not even a requirement to show what that ratio is, which has been attempted to be shown for several years. And the insurance companies have fought that very strongly. They also fought that in the ACA for medical, but that hasn't been the case, obviously. ACA knew better. So what will question two on the ballot do? So it, it, it's basically going to require that insurance companies are transparent, that they will show the division of insurance. So this is not unregulated. There's a division of insurance in Massachusetts, and they will show how much of their premium dollars that they bring in is actually going out for dental care. And that would be at 83%. Um, if, if they do not spend 83% on absolute care, then that those premium dollars will go back to the, the payers of the premium. So it'll be the groups or individuals who are paying their premiums. Um, and it also gives authority to the division of insurance to control it just haphazard fee increases of any kind from the insurance. They'd have to show, the insurance companies would have to show why they have a free, uh, a premium increase. And it wouldn't happen now for a few years. There wouldn't be any fee increases in premiums in the next few years, for sure. So for dental plans, the ratio that would have to be paid out of the money taken in by the insurance companies, the amount provided in benefits for people who need dental work would be 83% compared to 88% for other medical specialties. Right. Why is it, would it be less? I mean, this is a big initiative. Why but, less for dental? Right. So Massachusetts is high nationwide at 88%. Nationally and required by the Affordable Care Act, it's between 80 and 85%. So that's where the 83% came up. Okay. So an insurance company, let me go back a sec. You say we don't know, we really don't have the information on what uh, these insurance companies pay out for benefits. We know it for medicine because we know what they're required to do for other specialties, but for dental, they just keep it a secret? Right. The context of this is that for years, we've been just trying to have it seen, just to say, well, what is the percentage? And, and the insurance companies, knowing why, decided, no way, we don't really even want you to see it. Now, this has gone further because of this initiative uh, and putting it on the ballot. It's not only that they have to show it, but then they're going to have to be required to spend it. So 83% of each dollar is spent on care and benefits. 17% then, that goes to uh, the salaries of the executives and profit? Administration in all different ways and advertising and those sorts of things, yes. And the 83% is what governs across the country, well, between 80 and 85% under the Affordable Care Act, 83% being in the middle. That's what every state pays out. It's doing in medical insurance, in medical insurance. There is nothing like this in the rest of the country, which is why this has become a topic nationally. So there is support on all sides. This, this, the committee that, that organized this is uh, dental professionals and also uh, common non-dental people in the state of Massachusetts, because there's, there's, a clear understanding is to people should be able to get the care that they're paying for. And, um, and as I understand it, I just want to make sure you said that if, let me back up one sec. <clears throat> I, I think it could strike people that <clears throat> any percentage is a bit arbitrary, but if they don't pay the 83%, then whatever is not spent goes back to the people who pay the premium. So if we're paying our percentage as an employee, say we're paying 20% or 25 or 30 or 40%, that will go back and our costs will be lowered? That's right. 
or the or the benefits could be increased if they it, 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 the, the the premium dollars would go back the insurance companies would have to figure out a way to say okay no we can get it up to 83 percent keep the premiums you know where it is and and people would get more benefits otherwise the money would go back so that's the incentive for insurance companies to say well we're not keeping it so somebody should get it so Dr. Wall, if I, Monty Belmonte, walk into uh, Wall Family Dentistry and I've got insurance and I want something covered, currently as it stands, you as a dentist might end up having to say either A, this is not covered, or uh, B, you're going to have to pay for this out of pocket, or how does it work? And then how does it work on your end? What will what What is the benefit to the, the dental professionals themselves? So it, it depends on the insurance plan itself and how it's organized. So some insurance plans, you know, will cover certain things and won't cover other things. All insurance plans have a limit to what they cover. So it's not an insurance plan like medical. If you have something and you need care, it's going to be paid for. And dental, it's historically and it's continuing, even with this, to have a maximum benefit. So it's a benefit more than insurance. So that benefit hasn't changed for like 30 years. A lot of insurance companies are still stuck at the $1,000 a year. And for a number of insurance companies, if you don't use it that, that year, you lose it. Now some companies are saying, oh, I guess we can let you have it the following year. That took a couple of decades before it happened. Um, but in terms of, of, of getting the care that you have at the office, that would have to be changing with this new law. In other words, it's not gonna to change tomorrow. This is January 1st, 2024. It's to be able to get this to a point where all insurance companies will pay 83% to benefits. So that would be reflected in what gets covered and how much it gets covered. So it could lower co-pays and also pay more for each of the procedures that that is that's covered by the policy and does that then allow you as a dentist to do more of the care that you would like to do but sometimes have to stop doing because you know it's not covered is that sort of what the dental professionals angle is on this right exactly so because in our dental offices we've been seeing for for decades that people get restricted as to what they can get from their insurance companies so this is is, is increasing the amounts that insurance companies have to pay for the care that people need Go back for one second. Dental insurance versus a benefit. Explain that. So if you if you get sick at the doctor's office and they, you go to the hospital and it, you know you have procedures and tests, those have costs. Those are paid, and you have the the insurance companies follow the disease and you get paid for it. And there's no real maximum except you know maybe a million dollar lifetime maximum or such. In dental insurance, you pay an annual premium, pay it monthly, and they tell you from the beginning, well, you have $1,000 of benefits, and we, we will structure this in a way that you can get this amount for that and this amount for that. You can't determine how you spend the $1,000, and they, they manage <laughs> to say, well, let's see what, what people generally spend it on and we'll make sure that they get this much, but not that much. And if they come out with not spending $1,000 for the year because their procedures didn't dictate it, that's fine. But if your procedures dictated more, well, then you're out of luck because you've only gotten $1,000, which is really different from medical. We are speaking with Dr. Marty. That's Ward. not what this bill is about. This bill is, is much, you know, much more basic than that. It's just even within that structure, they need to spend 83% on, on the ballot, on, on benefits. So it doesn't change, the, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't change the overall structure. It just changes, it creates a floor for how, what percentage of the money in has to go out for benefits for the people who are insured. That's right. Okay, so this sounds to me, it's total common sense, it's total fair, it doesn't hurt the companies uh, in any meaningful way financially, because obviously this works for the entire rest of the medical profession. Dentistry isn't different. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to find out who's opposing this, and how much money are they putting into it, and why are they doing that right after this. Great question. Yeah. And I get off on the pain I It's swell, though they tell me I'm maladjusted. 
And though it may cause my patience distress, somewhere, somewhere in heaven above me, I know, I know that my mom was proud of me. Oh, mama. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday local burgers and fries? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Local burgers and fries, spiked milkshakes, and more. It's not fast food, it's good food. Fast. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. The pipe creature will be there, and the delicate giants. The clay masks, too. Plus, the toilet paper faces. Mummenschanz, the visual theater troupe, a Saturday afternoon at UMass. Mummenschanz celebrates 50 years with a performance of greatest hits and a peek at their future. Mummenschanz resplendent on the big stage of the Frederick C. Tillis Performance Hall at UMass. Bizarre shapes and objects spring to life. Mum and Shantz is pure joy for young and old alike. Witty madness, says the New York Times, dazzling and delightful. Get tickets at the UMass Fine Arts Center website. A Saturday afternoon with Mum and Shantz, October 15th, 3 p.m. at UMass. Hi, this is Jessica from Fitness Together. I meet clients every day who tell me that as the number on their scale grew higher, their self-esteem dropped lower, and going to a traditional gym absolutely terrified them. Here at Fitness Together, we'll work with you one-on-one, -on -one, either virtually or in one of our private suites in Amherst or Northampton. We'll help you set and reach your fitness goals, and most importantly, smile every time you look in the mirror. Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. Your self-worth is worth Fitness Together. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Bacon Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are speaking with Dr. Marty Wall about question two on the ballot. And we continued our conversation during the break. Monty, why don't you pose that question back to Dr. Wall and let's let's let our listeners in on this. This is the, the big picture that we were talking about is this is so much common sense. Well, let me see if I've got this straight, Dr. Okay. Marty Wall. I pay my insurance company for dental a certain amount of money a month, which I assume is going to go and cover dentistry for cleanings and for work when I need it. And now if this new law passes, instead of them doing whatever they want with that money without me knowing what they're going to cover to what extent, they will have to use that money at least up to 83% of it for my dentistry, which is what I thought I was paying them for the entire time anyway. Is that it in that's, a nutshell? That's, that's it in a nutshell. The insurance companies will have to spend 83% of the money they bring in on the care that people need. Who's for this and who's against it? Well, everybody's for it except the people who are the insurance companies. So, <laughs> Except for the people that I've been paying that have been able to do whatever they wanted with that money but not tell me exactly what that is. Right. Well, They know why they're against it, yes. <laughs> Tell us more about who the opposition is. 
and who's funding? Because there are, there are ads out now opposing question three. I don't understand the, what the argument is really. Maybe you could. I don't mean to have you talk for the other right. side, but so, so the people opposing it are, are, are literally um, organizations uh, created from the insurance company. So Delta Dental gave four and a half million dollars to oppose this. Uh, Principal Insurance gave uh, between a hundred and two hundred thousand. Um, and there was another insurance company. So they, they've given about $5 million to oppose it saying it's gonna raise premiums. It's not good. Insurance companies will go out of business. I mean, these are the same things they said about medical insurance 12 years ago when they were talking about um, Affordable Care Act. I mean, their plan is, is the same and none of that happened. Um, and they're not allowed to let it happen because in, in, the, in the legislation, uh, the Division of Insurance has to say, wait a second, no, you can't just do that unilaterally. You have to be able to show what you're doing and, and see. Um, and the people for it, the dental community is for it. I mean, there's the association of every specialty, general dentistry, uh, just the other day, the, the Academy of General Dentistry was, came out for it. The ADA has certainly put in money nationally. So the whole country's looking at this because it's a problem all around the country. and and if it happens in Massachusetts, other states are going to say, hey, yeah, this makes sense. They're having the same problem of not being able to see what's going on in any of the insurance policies. Um, so that's why it's getting a lot of attention here nationally, uh, because we would be the first to require this sort of thing happening in, in, for insurance and dentistry. It strikes me as so weird. Why has dentistry been different from other medical specialties for so long. Why is dentistry not healthcare in general? <laughs> there you go. That's, that's That'd be like saying other... oh, podiatry is not part of the human well-being, so all, no, it's not medical anymore, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's like, well, is it disconnected to your, your, your total health? Uh, excuse me. Right. That's, that's, that's a bigger question. You know, it, it came on as a benefit again, and they restricted the loss from the beginning different than medical. They said, no, we're only going to pay this amount. We know that. And hopefully people won't use it, but we'll still collect the premiums and, and, and we're good. That was how dentistry was set up as, as a benefit, mostly for employees to attract, you know, people to work for different companies. And, and they saw that there was a profit margin. So they took it, but it had, it didn't, they didn't want to connect it to, to healthcare because then they would have to pay for what people need. Question two has not received as much attention as question one, the fair share amendment, or question four, the Work and Family Mobility Act. Um, and I make no, I've made no uh, secret of it, how, how enthusiastically I support yes on one and yes on four. Is this a yes on two? Is this a yes on two? This is a yes on two. Absolutely. That's how it's written is to provide these guidelines and protections and, and cash for the benefits that people are paying for with their premium. Is there an organization people can contact uh, if they want to help and get in on this fight? Well, at the, at the Mass Dental Society's website, there's a whole explanation of this. It's vote yes on two. Um, there's a committee through that. I don't have that right in front of me. It's the exact name of the committee, but... Um, well, if you go to the Dental Society, if you go, go to okay. the Dental Society's website, it's 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 right there with all the explanations. So, <clears throat> I start massdental.org. Has there been any polling on this? You know, I don't. I don't. Haven't been. I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, I think everybody's doing internal polling. There hasn't been anything public. Um, that may have, that may change soon, but um, the insurance company says that employers are very worried about this because the premiums are going up. But in fact, they're not. So I, I don't know what information they're giving on their internal polling. And, um, and a final question from you personally: uh, You've, you've <clears throat> been in Northampton, practiced here for decades. What's your personal feeling of what this does to dental care? I think it frees what people have been paying for to actually give them the benefits they've been paying for. It just, 
you know, every individual may reach their maximum benefit, but in, in collection, this is going to bring money into the dental world so that people can have their benefits paid for at a much higher rate. We're going to leave it there. We have been speaking with Dr. Marty Wall, the founder of Wall Family Dentistry in Northampton, the immediate past president as of July of this year of Valley District Dental, the Valley District Dental Society, clinical instructor at STCC in the dental hygiene department. I appreciate the time you gave us today, Marty. I really appreciate the insights, and I am totally convinced that we should be voting yes on question two on the ballot. Election day is November 8th coming up soon, and of course, Early voting will happen before that, and mail-in ballots can come out. I think they're out. So, yes on two. Dr. Wall, thank you so very much. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks for the support. That's some incisor wisdom, Dr. Wall. Good. Good. (laughs) This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. More than 27,000 bags of suspected heroin and fentanyl, as well as two firearms, were seized Wednesday morning at a home on Miller Street in Springfield. Around 6 a.m., state and Springfield police executed a search warrant at 66 Miller Street after a months-long investigation into drug trafficking through Hamden County. State police arrested 22-year-old Israel Silva Guzman, who was found inside the home at the time of the search warrant. Bradley International Airport website is back up and running after it was targeted in a cyber attack that's similar to the ones hitting some major airports earlier this week. The attacks jammed the websites with fake users, so they crash. Bradley says the incident was isolated to its site only. There was no data breach and no impact on airport operations. And Massachusetts' Charlie Baker is America's most popular governor once again, according to a new survey. Stefan Ward-Wheaton has more. According to the annual Morning Consult poll, Baker has a 74% approval rating from voters, which is the highest of all governors in the nation. Baker has been among the nation's most popular chief executives since being in office. This new survey comes out just months before Baker will leave office after he decided not to run for re-election back in 2021. Vermont Governor Phil Scott takes the number two spot with a 73% approval rating from voters, and Maryland Governor Larry Hogan rounds out the top three with 70%. For WHMP News, I'm Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Mostly cloudy today, showers developing into a steady rain this afternoon. Windy all day with a high of 66 to 70. Rain, thunderstorms, and wind tonight. Could be some damaging wind. Overnight lows of 52 to 58. Slight chance of a shower tomorrow morning, then afternoon sunshine, a high of 66 to 70. Mostly sunny on Saturday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rochivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La Corte Suprema de Estados Unidos se negó el martes a decidir si los fetos tienen derechos constitucionales a la luz de su fallo de junio que anuló la decisión Roe vs. Wade de 1973 que había legalizado el aborto en todo el país, evitando por ahora otro frente en las guerras culturales de Estados Unidos. Los jueces rechazaron una apelación de un grupo católico y dos mujeres del fallo de un tribunal inferior contra su impugnación de una ley de Rhode Island de 2019 que codificó el derecho al aborto de acuerdo con el precedente de Roe. Las dos mujeres embarazadas en el momento en que se presentó el caso, demandaron el nombre de sus fetos y luego dieron a luz. La Corte Suprema de Rhode Island decidió que los fetos carecían de la capacidad legal adecuada para presentar la demanda. Algunos republicanos a nivel estatal han buscado lo que se llama leyes de personalidad fetal, que otorgaría a los fetos antes del nacimiento una variedad de derechos legales y protecciones como las de cualquier persona. En otras informaciones, el martes la administración de Biden instó a la Corte Suprema a evitar una pelea legal por documentos clasificados incautados durante una búsqueda del FBI en la propiedad del expresidente Donald Trump en Florida. El Tribunal Superior está revisando una apelación de emergencia de Trump pidiéndole que revoque un fallo de un tribunal inferior y permita que un árbitro independiente o maestro especial revise los aproximadamente 100 documentos con marcas clasificadas que se tomaron en la búsqueda de Mar-a-Lago el 8 de agosto. El Departamento 
Departamento de Justicia dijo en un documento de 32 páginas que la afirmación de Trump no tiene fundamento y señaló que el caso involucra registros gubernamentales extraordinariamente sensibles. La presentación de Trump fue primero para el juez Clarence Thomas, quien supervisa las apelaciones de emergencia del onceavo circuito, pero los jueces individuales casi siempre involucran a todo el tribunal en casos de alto perfil como este. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is our Thursday Reverend and the Rabbi segment, which today is the Rabbi and the Rabbi. Rabbi Ricky Kozowski from Beta Hava in Florence, and Rabbi Justin David from Congregation B'nai Israel here in Northampton. The rabbi is working out his technological bugs at the moment, but he will be with us. So let us start with Rabbi Ricky Kozowski. Ricky, thank you so much for being with us. It's a special time of year. I'd like to start there. Why and what? Rabbi Ricky is muted right now. Oh, it's too bad. We were talking to her so well before, just before we came on the air. Sorry. Here we we go. (laughs) There we go. So talk to us. Why is this a special time of year? What is on the calendar? Good morning. Okay, fantastic. Oh, and here comes Justin, too. Wonderful. So this is really, um, first of all, I should say, I am am, uh, calling in from my sukkah which is in my backyard, which is the booth that we built for this holiday of Sukkot. Uh, and we're uh, in the fourth day of it. And um, uh, this is an incredible time of year because we are um, uh, in the middle of our Jewish holiday cycle. And this is the time when most rabbis are like flying on some kind of adrenaline and exhaustion because it's been so many days. We went from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur four days later to Sukkot, and um, uh, and we're in the middle of this holiday festival. And we're also culminating a seven-year cycle of the sabbatical uh, of the land, and that's also something I thought we could talk about this morning. Sure. Well, tell us a bit about, about Sukkot for those of our listeners who say, what is it? Well, what is it? Do I wear it over my shirt when it's cold outside? I've got to put on a Sukkot or jacket? Monty, you know better than that. No, I'm Shame not. <laughs> well, I, I'll dispense in here. Um, Sukkot is a, uh, you know, as, as Rabbi Ricky said, it's a fall festival holiday. It's mentioned uh, in the Torah. Um, and it, it two things. One is to coincide with, um, you know, the, the fall harvest. Uh, and the other is to be a capstone to this three-week period uh, at the beginning of the year to celebrate the new year. And if we can put ourselves in the mindset, um, which is not too hard to do, of people who lived in the ancient world in in the Near East, um, everything was dependent on rain, uh, especially um, in the land of Israel, where there aren't, you know, you don't have the Nile, you don't have the Tigris and Euphrates, everything was dependent on rain. And so throughout the year, there would really be this tremendous anxiety where People wouldn't know whether they were going to live or die, um, but they had this idea. They developed this idea, which permeates the Torah and Jewish tradition, that they li- that if they lived in a covenant with God, a mutual agreement, one based on um, one based on the pursuit of transcendent justice, then they could rely on um, the natural cycle maintaining its course. And so Sukkot was the end of the harvest year proof of the bounty uh, with a renewed hope that the next year would also be bountiful. And so it was a time of unbridled celebration and um, people would dwell in these booths in Sukkot and wave symbols of the bounty, the, the etrog, which is, a, which is kind of like um, an oversized uh, lemon and palm fronds and myrtle and willow and wave it together to remind themselves of their inherent connection to an obligation to uh, the source of all creation. Rabbi Justin David, tell me this. Is the festival of Sukkot different or is it fundamentally a shared kind of uh, human experience to celebrate the harvest? And this was the uh, Israelites' 
version of of a harvest celebration. I mean, is it more well, of a com- is there a common denominator here between Jews and non-Jews, uh, or is it something that's singular to 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 Jews? Well, I think it's a yes and, and and Ricky, I'm interested in your take on this. The yes and is the following. Yes, I mean, all people have live with a sense of precariousness about um, the harvest and celebrate the harvest. The revolution in uh, biblical thought in the ancient Near East was that it wasn't dependent on magic, that it wasn't arbitrary, that it was based on this ongoing covenant between people and the source of creation to live in balance with the earth and within balance with each other and to express a sense of their sense, human being's sense of place in the universe. Uh, and that was the revolution, that it wasn't up to the will of the gods. It wasn't about propitiating in a, in a magical way. It was about living a life of justice uh, in concert with the source of creation. Ricky, what do you have to say about this? Um, well, you know, when I think about living in, when I think about living and being in a sukkah, which is this booth that we have out, outside in our yard, uh, there is this world consciousness that happens by uh, engaging human beings, Jews or anyone else, to go and set up a temporary structure that is open to all the elements outside and also open to the elements, but also to enjoy the elements. And I was thinking uh, this morning, I was listening on NPR about this new report that 69% of all uh, mammal and uh, in animal species are, are, are diminished by 69% since 1970. I mean, it's shocking in 50 years that the earth could have done that. So when I think of being out in a, a sukkah, it's putting me in touch with nature. It's making me think about environmental concerns. It's making me think about global consciousness. Um, it's you know making me look at the leaves and 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 think about uh, just you know what what's going on in our our earth and um, and that is part of what the holiday is about. Is about uh, it was the Jewish people's way of um, getting us to a place where we could be in nature and appreciate and celebrate and be grateful for the harvest that happens in the fall and for praying for rain for the planet, playing for enough rain, not too much rain in the right places and times so that next year's harvest can be as beautiful and, and produce the beautiful etrog, the citron fruit and all the other things that uh, Rabbi Justin was saying that we hold and that we wave together. Is it a I like. I have two questions. One from what, based on what Justin said, and one what you said, Ricky. To, to Justin, you say that uh, the holiday, the festival, the Sukkot, is mentioned in the Torah. Um, I'm wondering if you could share with us what what does what is said uh, in the Torah about uh, about this holiday. I mean, does it say we should go celebrate, or does it say that there are prayers that are necessary? What's what's the injunction from uh, from from the Bible on this? Yeah. Well, what what's interesting is that the the injunctions are actually few, which is kind of interesting. But what it does say prominently um, is that we should be joyous. That that we take the ritual items that we have and we use them as an occasion for celebration and joy. Uh, not only that, but there's a unique kind of joy, an extra measure of joy that's dedicated to this season. And in particular, the book of Deuteronomy talks about how the joy shouldn't just include you, but it should include everyone around you and, per, and uh, in particular, those who are most vulnerable and those who are the outsiders all, ha- all should have a place in your enjoyment of the holiday. And if I can just put a political spin on this, we have two narratives in this country about our responsibility to the environment, either it's everyone out for themselves and who cares about climate change, or we can say climate change is real and we all have a part to play and we're all responsible. And the Bible weighs in on the all, we're all responsible, even as we have unique joy. As a harvest festival, as a harvest festival, um, uh, it is a time to give thanks. It's not a prayer for rain so that the crops can grow, but it's a time as I think Ricky, Rabbi Ricky Kozowski, you pointed out, it's a time to celebrate and a time to give thanks. And I, I appreciate your perspective on that. And then we're... Yeah. 
I, I think the Jewish version of it is a little different than a Thanksgiving or a thanks for the harvest. It actually is a prayer for the rain. So we, we're building up so that we can uh, turn our prayers. There's a prayer where we talk about uh, God who brings on the dew in the summer months. And then at the end of Sukkot is when uh, when we switch that prayer for the winter months until the spring for God who brings literally on the rains. But I also wanted to bring in Rabbi David Seidenberg, who's here from... Oh, we because this particular Sukkot is also special because it is the end of the seven-year cycle of the sabbatical and culminating at the end of this festival is this, is this other uh, added-on proclamation called Hakel, and there's going to be a really exciting festival at Abundance Farm this Sunday from 1 to 5, this Hakel festival, and I thought maybe David could say a word about uh, what the end of the sabbatical cycle this Sukkot means. I would appreciate that. Now we have the rabbi, the rabbi, and the rabbi. Rabbi. <laughs> How are you doing, Bill? Please, let, talk to us. Okay. So Hakel, um, this past year was a Shemitah sabbatical year, uh, when traditionally uh, the land was not farmed, the fences were left open, anyone could go into anyone's fields to take anything they wanted um, freely, as well as the wild animals being able to go into anyone's field. So it was a time of... Uh, of um, reducing hierarchies between people, creating a sense of equality, not just between all people and all classes, but also even with nature and with the other animals. And it culminates, well, the, the Shemitah year, the sabbatical year ended at Rosh Hashanah, but there was two culminating events that happened. One is that all debts are canceled at Rosh Hashanah. And then a few weeks later, uh, and we're celebrating this this coming Sunday at Abundance Farm, a few weeks later, there's a gathering of all the people to reaffirm the covenant. And so the Shemitah year leads us into a kind of standing at Mount Sinai again uh, to receive the Torah again. But it's a different kind of Mount Sinai because we're not at a mountain. We're all at the, on a level playing field and listening to the Torah and receiving it as equals in relation to God instead of with God at the top and us at the bottom of the mountain. So it's a really radical reconceptualization of what revelation is about. And that's what happens. All the people gather. Uh, traditionally, this would happen in Jerusalem and the king would read certain sections out of the Torah that were uh, sort of a basis of, of faith and religion for everyone equally. The Shema, the, 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 the paragraph about God's unity and our, and our loving God is one of the things that are get, gets read. And another thing that gets read is the limitations on the power of the king. So there's, again, an emphasis on lessening the hierarchy between people. Okay, I appreciate that's it. That's what happens at the end of Sukkot. Okay, um, you want to say that last sentence again? We're having so a little technical difficulty. Just the last thing you said, please. Or not. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Yeah. We're going to fix. We're going to fix our connection, and we'll be right back with the rabbi, the rabbi, and the rabbi right after this. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. At American National, what's important to you is important to us. Just like every horse is unique, so is our equine coverage. American National's equine owner's insurance is designed to address the inherent risks involved with owning horses. Flexible enough to provide property and liability coverage for operations of various sizes, yet can be tailored for your specific needs. We're right by your side. For more information, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you. Until now. 
Now when you call, we'll answer. And if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. Dear Massachusetts, marijuana is now legal for adult use. Keep your kids and pets safe by keeping all cannabis products in child-resistant packaging. Store your cannabis in a lockbox out of sight and out of reach from your children and teach them that cannabis and alcohol are for adults only and that prescription medications are only meant for the person they are prescribed for. Brought to you by the Northampton Prevention Coalition, working together to protect the developing brain. NorthamptonPrevents.org. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is our Reverend and the Rabbi segment that this week is the Rabbi, the Rabbi, and the Rabbi. We have Rabbi Ricky Kozowski, uh, who will be with us monthly going forward on the segment, and Rabbi Justin David, who is with us every week. And we have a very special guest today. I'll leave the honor of that introduction, since we omitted that part at the, in the earlier segment. Justin David, want to Tell us who the third rabbi is who's with us today. Sure. So the third rabbit out of the hat is Rabbi David Seidenberg, good friend, community member, national thought leader on uh, Judaism and the environment and Jewish mysticism. Uh, so, David, you're finishing up some thoughts about Sukkot and uh, this unique uh, moment we're in, the end of the Shemitah year. Um, tell, us, tell us what you were thinking. So first of all, this, this moment... Whoops. I guess we can't say that God is interfering. <laughs> but our connection is... You can't hear me again. Ah. I fear it's not working well. It's not working well. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, let's pivot to your question, Bill, about what Ricky and I were going to talk about to our communities at this time of year. And um, and then, David, when you get the connection back, you can jump jump back in. But my my thing this year was that we're in this moment where we're all experiencing this existential dread around climate. And there has to be more than dread. Um, and th there, are a lot, there are a lot of things besides dread. Um, we have to find ways in which joy can be real and protest can be real and action, uh, action and resistance to the voices who say that the goal of life is every, everyone for themselves. Um, you know, I think if we can rally around those messages in different ways, we have something to show the next generation besides impending disaster. I'd like to go back to the uh, uh, origins of what uh, the Bible says about uh, our, our obligation to be stewards of the planet. And I'm wondering if you could share that with us, Justin and, or, or, or Ricky. Yeah, I'll pass it to Ricky or David. Yeah, Maybe I can be heard now. I moved over to the window. Is this working better? It does Great. seem to be working better. <laughs> okay. Let's hear from Ricky. I'm so sorry about that. There's a message there. So um, I'll tell you, uh, what, the Torah doesn't tell us a lot about what the purpose of Sukkot is. It tells us to do these things with these plants. And we have to consider and think about what that means on our own to some degree, you know, with maybe with anthropology and thinking about shamanism and all that. But the prophets say pretty clearly that the purpose of Sukkot is to pray for rain for every single place in the world. And, and um, so we are supposed to act as priests on behalf of all of humanity in this festival. And the reason why we have Yom Kippur right before this is because we want to purify ourselves so that our prayers are heard on behalf of all humanity. 
And specifically, the purpose of the prayers is climate, making the climate the right kind of climate, not too much rain, not too little rain. So it's all about all the things that we are going to need to take more and more seriously because of climate, global climate disruption. So a lot of the prayers about climate and rain and all this have been taken as kind of uh, fun and frivolous things to do uh, in the past centuries, uh, especially more recently. But as climate change becomes fiercer and fiercer, um, these prayers are going to become more and more serious. And so that's kind of the reality we're living in right now. Rabbi Ricka, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I a lot of the Jewish holidays leading before Sukkot are very serious. Yom Kippur is about atonement and returning and repentance, and there's sadness in there and memory and longing and anger and all of that and forgiveness. And then we come to Sukkot, and it's about joy. So the Sukkot is this ultimate holiday of, of liberation, care for the planet, protection of, of nature, uh, care about abundance and harvest and rain and um, and wandering and revelation. And it, and the main uh, commandment is actually to do it joyously. It says, you should be happy in your festival. And this is considered the most important festival, the most important holiday. It's even called the holiday. And, uh, and to be able to hold that up for a week and um, know that if we're going to move forward in saving the planet and saving society and doing all the liberation work that we all need to do, uh, we have to find that place of joy in us. That's that's the reason. That's the goal. That's the taste of why we're doing it. But if we come from that place, and there's a tradition on Sukkot of inviting in exalted ancestors. I always bring in Emma Goldman, who said, "If I can't dance, it's not my revolution." Roughly, that's what she said. Because to me, that's the essence of uh, caring for the, the planet and of this holiday. Rabbi Justin, if I may piggyback on that, Rabbi Ricky. Um, one of the things we're focused on on Sukkot <laughs> our fragility and living in a sukkah represents our fragility. The sukkah represents what was that? We have one minute to go. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know what that meant. I'm sorry. It represents our fragility and the ability to uh, celebrate with joy in the face of fragility, in the face of the fact that we're all mortal. Uh, that's the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a kind of uh, subdued state. Joy is something up, uproarious, outrageous, something you do in the face of whatever else you're facing, whatever else is threatening. And that's what we're called to do on this holiday, which is an amazing experience. We are going to leave it there. Thank you all for this really interesting conversation. Sorry for the technical difficulty. We apologize to our listeners for that, but I hope you shared in this celebration as much as we did. Rabbi Justin, Rabbi Ricky, Rabbi David, thank you all so very, very much. Okay, and join us on Sunday at Abundance Farm, please. One to five. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. Greenfieldsavings.com. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Caring for someone with cancer is hard. You're so busy taking care of someone else, you have no idea how you feel. There's so much you can't say. You run on adrenaline. You're worried you're going to burn out. Cancer Connection offers support groups just for caregivers, exercise classes to blow off steam, even Reiki. It's all free. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or to donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations Live to make its services free of charge. Talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station. It's